Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The cost of child care keeps going up. Wages for child care workers seem stagnant. The headlines say that the federal government says they want to help. But will they? Or could they actually make the problem a little bit worse? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're very pleased to have back on the show today Patrick Brown. He's a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, where he focuses on developing a robust pro-family economic agenda, supporting families as the cornerstone of a healthy and flourishing society. Patrick, thanks for coming back on the program with us. Oh, it's great to be on. Thanks so much. Well, wonderful. You and uh, your tag team partner, uh, Brad Wilcox, uh, penned a, a great op-ed that uh, really raises some important questions. We've been trying to dig into some of the nitty-gritties of the, the Build Back Better plan and what that means and how that might impact individuals, families, and communities. Uh, the, the, your headline is so great. Uh, if you like your church preschool, you can keep it. Uh, when it comes to these kinds of things, is is that really the case, or are we sort of back to the uh, Health Care Act of, uh, if you like your health care plan, you can keep that too? That's exactly the question that we wanted to ask, and I think that the answer is really going to be, it depends. I mean, the devil is going to be in the details, and despite the uh, big promises being thrown around by the Biden administration and some of their allies on the progressive side of things, they're planning a tremendous infusion of government money into uh, specific um, providers and specific ways of providing child care that may not necessarily have room for the kind of faith-based and community-grounded uh, child care um, options that a lot of parents really treasure. Um, they're being treated as an afterthought in their approach in the Build Back Better plan. And I think we're concerned, but but both Brad and I and a lot of people on the right are concerned that that's going to have the uh, same effect on these sort of uh, options and providers that we saw in the Affordable Care Act when, when Democrats said, oh, don't worry, we're going to be you know throwing a lot of money into the health care system. But as you said, if you like your health care plan, you can keep it. And we all know of the tremendous uh, disruption in the health care mar- market that resulted. So we're really concerned that this could have a, a, an inadvertent effect uh, crowding out a lot of faith-based and, and church-based child care for yeah, so, families. Yeah, so as you look at those choices uh, in terms of what can be done, uh, you noted in your piece that in polls, parents say that the, the two places they're most likely to want to take their, their children uh, during days is either at home with a, a parent or a, a relative 
or a faith-based child care center. Uh, so will those choices really be there? Are we going to get more choice out of all of this, or is this going to still be a, a very limited set of choices determined uh, probably by somebody in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, I mean, again, it, the devil is in the details, and, and, and the Biden administration has been, a, 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 you know, very um, uh, uh, obscuring kind of how this would all work. It's going to be up to states that decide to opt into their plan how they want to set that up. So it's very possible that uh, a state like Utah or, or where I am in South Carolina might decide, you know, hey, we're going to take some of this federal money and really give that power to parents and, and let them figure out what the right approach is for them. And if that happened, I would love that. That would be great. I think we can all uh, think about ways that, that a, a state could could make the child care market work more efficiently. But on the, the downside is that that's not how – that's not necessarily what's being uh, encouraged in this bill, and they're certainly not um, taking affirmative steps to make sure that there's a wide array of providers. Uh, they're, they're mostly concerned with just putting as much state into uh, – as much money to state officials' pockets as possible and saying, you figure it out. And so for a lot of states that maybe doesn't have the same sort of social climate and, and, and thick, you know, community organizations like a state like Utah might have – uh, they'll, they'll turn first and foremost to public schools and for-profit uh, and, uh, providers because they're the ones that, that they sort of think of first, especially if you're a, you know, sort of uh, elite, uh, you know, coastal, uh, you know, a highly educated person who doesn't necessarily think of church-based childcare as being part of the solution. But as you mentioned, for a lot of families, it is the first thing they think of. And, and when you look at uh, government data that shows where parents put their kids, um, about a quarter of, of married parents who participate in center-based child care have their kid in a church-based uh, or, you know, or, or a place of worship-run uh, uh, child care situation. So, so putting them to the back burner and not prioritizing them in a plan is really the wrong way to go. Yeah, and uh, I want to get to two uh, real critical questions here. One is uh, how this could actually increase the cost of child care. So we talk about kind of limiting choices for some parents, but uh, there's also one of those unintended consequences of government dumping a lot of money into a specific sector is it could actually drive up wages and actually make it more costly uh, for a lot of parents. That's right. I, I would argue it's not even an unintended consequence. It's an intended consequence of a lot of the, the progressive approach to this. They see uh, the childcare market as needing almost a government takeover, and, and they, they propose basically off, offloading a lot of families uh, – oh, sorry, imposing a lot of mandates on providers to make them pay their workers more and to layer on all these sort of – uh, regulations that are supposedly about quality but really have no long-term relationship with child outcomes. And so at the end of the day, they, they see in, you know, increasing the cost of child care, child care as being uh, a good thing because that means that, that those workers might be paying more, being paid more. Um, and, and whether or not that's good or not for those workers, it's certainly bad for families that aren't going to be eligible for subsidies, and it's going to lead to tremendous cost spiraling uh, in, in, in terms of how much this is going to cost uh, the, the states and, uh, that, that choose to participate in it and the federal government. And so, you know, we've seen just today, this morning, uh, inflation hitting rates that we haven't seen for decades. And if the Biden administration pushes forward with this proposal, you're going to see child care inflation spiral even more out of control. So mm. it's definitely the, the wrong way to go about it. Yeah. So finally, let me just ask you, uh, what, what are some of those policy steps uh, that we should be hoping for or watching for uh, that could 
help in terms of controlling the costs or creating more opportunity or more choices uh, for parents and families? First and foremost, in this bill, I mean, I, I would start from scratch. I mean, I think there's a lot in this bill that, that is is the wrong direction. I think especially egregious is some language that seeks to increase the supply of childcare and, and to help facilities expand their, their buildings if they want to serve more kids. But they have a specific line in there that says if you're a house of worship or if you provide sectarian instruction, you're not eligible for this funding. And I think that's completely the wrong way to go because it's, it's explicitly discriminating against religious-based providers who want to expand their facility. And I, I fully expect that Republican senators um, will be uh, bringing that to the floor and asking for that to be changed because it's just so it's probably unconstitutional and certainly egregious either way. I, I actually think the, the right way to think about childcare is to go the exact opposite direction and to be catalyzing churches and faith-based groups and, and community groups and, and civil society uh, that want to be providing childcare as, as a way of supporting the families that they know and the parents that they know, make it easier for them to, to get off the ground, give them startup money, uh, you know, curb some of the excessive regulations or land use restrictions that, that prevent them from being able to do that, and really tap into the power of, of uh, community groups that want to be helping parents as part of their mission. I think that's something that, that we can all agree should be a, a central component of, of a child care agenda, not an afterthought or not discriminated against. Uh, fantastic. Great insight. Uh, Patrick Brown, again, fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, uh, tag team opinion piece in uh, Deseret.com with Brad Wilcox. If you like your church preschool, can you keep it? Uh, and very important, this is why we have to dig into these pieces of legislation, because it is in the details. It's the nitty gritty uh, where something might sound good on the surface. Uh, in practicality, it may be either discriminating, driving up costs, limiting choices. Uh, we got to get past the headlines and get into what's actually in the bill. Patrick, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure, boy. Thanks. Remember, it's not just the right that has a problem with the child care proposals that are in the Build Back Better plan. Uh, Those on the left uh, from the People's Policy Project estimate it will raise costs for middle-class families by $13,000 a year, with very few qualifying for subsidies. All for a program that's only funded for just three years as they try to control the cost on paper or what they're telling the American people it's going to cost. Got to go past the headlines. This is one other area where the more specific you get, the fisher it becomes. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.